Exotic locations around the world. A daughter finishing her father's work. Raiding of ancient tombs? All this can only mean one thing. We're comparing Tomb Raider on this episode of Retro vs. Remake. I'm Reggie Parker. And I'm Dan Buick. Welcome to another episode of... Retro vs. Remake. Look at this live hey, we did version. It. Look at this. You can actually see us this time. Yep. Uh, so this is the podcast, <laughs> I guess you can call that, um, where we compare movies and the remakes, or in this case, reboots. Reboots. This is actually a reboot episode we're doing today, and the movies we're comparing are Tomb Raider. Specifically, Lara Croft Tomb Raider versus Tomb Raider. Rise of the Tomb Raider, I believe. <laughs> no, is I mean, it called Rise of the Tomb Raider? No, it's just Tomb Raider. Right. <laughs> oh, you're just that's a Star Wars joke. Yeah. <laughs> I got it. Lara Croft Tomb Raider, 2001, starring Angelina Jolie, Ian Glenn, John Voight, Daniel Craig, Noah Taylor. And I just want to point out that we have two Game of Thrones alum here. We have Ian Glenn, <laughs> yeah. And Noah Taylor. Yeah, those two guys are Game of Thrones. I just wanted to point that out. Anyway, directed by Simon West, who also directed one of my favorite movies, Con Air. Oh, nice. Screenplay by Paul Massett and John Zinman, and music by Graham Ravel. Tomb Raider, 2018, starring Alicia Vindicker, Dominic West, Walton Goggins, Daniel Wu, Kristen Scott Thomas, and a cameo by Nick Frost. Directed by Roar Utog. Screenplay by Geneva Robertson Dwart and Alistair Sidons. Music by Tom Hulkenborg. Okay. Reggie, what was your first experience with either film? Let's see. So, I've seen Lara Croft Tomb Raider a lot. Um, oh, a lot. <laughs> not a lot, not a lot. <laughs> but uh, I've watched the movie multiple times. Um, this is, I was thinking about this before the podcast. This is one of those times where people ask about video game movies and being true to the source material or even being good. I've played Tomb Raider a bunch. I've watched this movie several times. I'm familiar with the genre. Um, without getting into the spoiler territory, this is a very Tomb Raider movie. The remake, not so much. This is my first time seeing a remake, but I did play a little bit of the Tomb Raider game that that's based off of, and again, without getting into spoiler territory, Tomb Raider. <laughs> Tomb Raider. There you go. Uh, I guess I had seen bits of the uh, Lara Croft Tomb Raider. Yeah. I never watched it in theaters or anything. Uh, I do remember when it came out, it was like a big deal. It was it's a huge deal. Yeah, <laughs> I saw like billboards everywhere. It made a lot of money, too. Uh, but I didn't watch it until it was on HBO, but I didn't watch the whole thing i honestly just wanted to see angelina jolie like that's, Crop. that's why we're all there <laughs> yeah because uh um i never actually played any of the tomb raider games i just knew uh it was a a lady who uh raided tombs yeah and she was known for some things <laughs> she was. some very specific things the character um, models were uh interesting yeah it was really interesting um but i never had a playstation uh so that's why i never played those well uh, I also didn't have a PlayStation. I had the misfortune to play this on Sega Saturn. Oh, yeah! I played console wars episode. (laughs) (laughs) But um, honestly, this 
film kind of feels like kind of the early days of the internet to me almost where you have this outlandish character and then you have an actress that is trying to portray that and I think that's why the internet went crazy when Angelina Jolie got cast yeah. as this sort of uh, iconic video game character for um, reasons you described right? <laughs> for a couple of reasons <laughs> um, yeah so I was kind of familiar with that I was actually more familiar with the soundtrack of this movie which we'll get into throughout our discussion um, and the remake or sorry the reboot Tomb Raider from 2018 I had never seen I had never played the game like Reggie has over here so it was all fresh for me well, oddly enough, these are two completely different plots, but right. they kind of follow a very similar outline. I was actually able to make a synopsis for this. So before we get into our discussion, let me just go over the synopsis. Laura Croft is the heir to the Croft fortune. In her manner, she discovers her father's notes. These notes were written for Laura years ago before he left her. In the notes, he tells her that there is a power that must be destroyed. Laura uses these notes to continue her father's research to find the artifact. Lots of action ensues. Along the way, she meets our antagonist. He's looking for the same thing Laura is. He works for a corporation who will use that discovery for evil. On top of that, the antagonist also claims he killed Laura's father years ago. Some more action ensues. Eventually, Laura and the antagonist have to work together. They raid an ancient tomb and find what they are looking for. The artifact is ultimately destroyed by Laura, and so is the antagonist. And then both movies end their respective ways. Like I said, completely different plots, but they follow this outline pretty close. As a uh, as a fan of the game series, there is a structure, um, <laughs> and I think that's why both films are able to kind of explore the same type of adventure. Is her father big in the games? Because he's like big in these movies. The father, um, I've played a lot more of the original series. Mm -hmm. The father is an element. I mean, it's part of her sort of motivation and it's brought up. So that okay. it also sort of explains um, something we'll get into uh, her wealth because that's a yeah. that's a big reason why she can go on so many adventures. Yeah, it's kind of like the Bruce Wayne thing. Yeah, I got my totally. parents' money. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, not that big. He's, he's an afterthought after a okay. while. <laughs> I was just like so surprised, like, oh, we're bringing him back. You yeah. know? He got killed again. <laughs> it's like, gee, wow, this is, this is insane. Like I said, these are completely different plots, so I think that's where we should start with sure. our discussion. Don't want to get into too much detail, so maybe we can just talk about what right. Laura was trying to get. So, if you're raiding a tomb, you need a treasure yeah. of some sorts in the original film, which actually when you're talking about Lara Croft's life is later in life, but uh, in Lara Croft Tomb Raider, she's going after a triangle key, which will unlock a supernatural secret that, um, as you mentioned, the evil corporations after as well. But, but, you can't just get the key, Reggie, to use it. That's fair. You have to wait for all the planets Ooh. to align. And this happens once, once every 5,000 5, years. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, you'll you'll know that because they will tell you several times throughout you the will, film. You will hear a, a lot that we got one chance, <laughs> or it's gonna be five. Like the number of characters that make the joke, well, I'm not waiting five thousand yeah. more years. 
is out of control. And then the fact that she's like, before like she even discovers like anything from her father's nose, she just happens to be just watching the planets align on this monster yeah. telescope that she has. And she's like, hey, Bryce, look, it's the planets line once every 5,000 years. Yeah. This is quite incredible. It's like, how are you on the same thing that the villains are before you even found the thing it, to go on your journey? It's pretty insane. <laughs> and like these villains are like, are committed. Yeah. To, like this is, they're almost a cult. Like this is part of their religion, you know, um, more or less. Well, the Illuminati. It, it is, that, that's it is. who we have as our big evil corporation in this Laura Croft movie. But like you said, these guys who who completely keyed in on this this five thousand year event. You're right, Laura Croft just kind of casually looking up in the sky is like, hmm, that's yeah, <laughs> that's a big deal. So what does it do? The triangle once you get it. Can you explain it to me? Because I was yeah. a little confused about it. Well, here's the thing. You you got to get one piece of the triangle then you gotta get another piece of triangle right. and then that unlocks a key which once you unlock the key you can go to another tomb and you more or less can control time that's the end game you can control time but can you control time forever or only in that window when the planets are aligned i think that i guess once you're controlling time you're kind of controlling time i don't that's that's, that's where i live <laughs> yeah i'm overthinking this movie which i shouldn't but i was just a little confused like so, are you in control of time forever, or is it just you that two-hour window? You have keyed in on the first rule of Tomb Raider. The first rule is, it doesn't matter what it does, <laughs> you just want it. Okay. So, okay. Um, so, I'll just go along with the, since you're even going to travel back in time, that you yeah. can pretty much do it forever. Yeah. As long as you have it. Or, or at least... But I guess to get it started, to activate it, you have to have the planets aligned? Yeah, or at least set up events that... um that I guess make you more powerful, which we'll get into that when it comes to villainy, but they seem pretty powerful already. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, you, know, you can always more, be more, more powerful. Power. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that is a multi-step supernatural process that involves a triangle key and <laughs> a lot of different locales so we can see our protagonists in a lot of different uh, get-ups. Which um, is one of the reasons she signed on for the movie. She wanted to go to different locations. But we'll get to Angelina in a bit. But I guess it's kind of like a video game because you got to go here, you got to go here, yeah, here, yeah. here, you got this, Fet- this. Fetch that. quest. Yeah, 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 fetch quest, exactly. <laughs> so that's pretty much the plot of Laura Croft Tomb Raider mm-hmm. as opposed to Tomb Raider, where we're going after an ancient Japanese queen slash witch that had. Powers of death and destruction that were unfathomable that was then locked away in a secret location uh, now known as Himiko's tomb. And in that tomb, there are secrets, again, unfathomable that uh, could lead to death, which gives you the power of death. And that's that's something. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's such an easy plot to follow. You're following that, right? Um, yeah, I... I was a little confused. I, again, I guess kind of what you said. It doesn't really matter what you're after. You just know that there's something they're after. It's important that we get it before another evil corporation right. gets it. What was the name of that corporation? In this one, it was Trinity. Oh, the Trinity. The Trinity, okay. yeah. So Illuminati and, and Trinity in this one. Okay. And, and I mean, th- this is a theme that's, like I said, across the board, any Tomb Raider game, the hope of all of society rest in the hands of a Tomb Raider, uh, Lara Croft specifically, and some sort of evil do-bad thing that if they get their hands on it before Lara, uh, the world as we know it is over. And that's that's more or less 
how Tomb Raider, <laughs> Tomb Raider works. Not, it's not just about money. It's about the world. Right, right. For all of these games. Wow. That poor girl. So much weight on her shoulders. Oh, my God. It, it completely, like, insane amount of weight on one person's shoulders. <laughs> Consistently and constantly. <laughs> <laughs> but I think uh, that kind of gets a little bit in the um, tone when we're talking about the films. Whereas, I'm going to try not to confuse ourselves and the audience too much. When I say the original, I'm actually chronologically talking about the future, but we'll just say Lara Croft, Tomb Raider. Um, in Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, they really kick up the supernatural um, in that film in ways that are, I mean, like, supernatural. <laughs> like, they're yeah. fighting, like... They're fighting rock monsters. Rock monsters, golems. Um, there is a time travel yeah, element. time travel, obviously. Some very... Unnatural, unnatural things happen <laughs> in, in the film versus uh, Tomb Raider is trying to play it a little more realistic. Yeah, a, a lot more grounded in reality, mm -hmm. more gritty. They don't go for supernatural at all. In the end, it's not because the witch was she had some powers. It was just a disease that right. she hosted, and it remained with her corpse throughout yeah. all these years. So they stay away from that completely. Yeah, it's it's, it's something that is believable. It's like, all right, there's yeah. there's this super disease that's kind of hidden away, but if it got out, then the world as we know it changes. I think both films sort of talk about this. All myth, as they say in at least one of the films, all myth, yeah. myth is grounded in reality, and Tomb Raider is very much trying to show that myths though they seem supernatural, can be explained. And it, right. I, I think they're going for trying to make this sort of iconic character more believable in a real-world sense. Yeah. Um, you don't have to. <laughs> you don't have to, but I guess it makes sense um, to try to differentiate yourself from the Laura Croft Tomb Raider. So, yeah. This, you know, makes sense to me. Kind of like in our episode about True Grit, this is a gritty reboot yep. of the Tomb Raider franchise. Yeah. And tonally, by getting away from the supernatural, I think that they're much closer to that gritty yeah, element. Yeah, because, like, um, we'll get to her shortly, but, like, Laura Croft, like, she's in a tomb. Like, she's not dirty at all. There's perfect, <laughs> no, perfect. In, the, in the original. But then, like, in the new Laura Croft or the new Tomb Raider, she's, like, bloody. She's all muddy, sweating. Everybody's just dirty all the time. It's really gritty and grounded it's in gritty. reality. I'll say this because I played the game. She gets the shit kicked out of her, like yeah. constantly in that in that game, and um, in a way that you do not see in the earlier video game, in the earlier film. They have this very unrealistic idea of what a uh, Tomb Raider <laughs> would be doing, but it, or how she, what she's wearing, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, or like basic physics, because I don't know how much she, she'd be able to pull that off with uh, Angelina Jolie's uh, body type, as it were. But um, I guess, should we get into that? Yeah, let's the talk two about Lars. Lars. So as we said, we have Laura Croft, Tomb Raider, played by Angelina Jolie, and then Tomb Raider in 2018, played by Alicia Vikander. All right. Where do you want to start with these comparisons? Let's start talking about the person, the woman, more than the body type. <laughs> I think we can, we can sort of get to that. But uh, I see in your notes here that you have Laura Croft, the Angelina Jolie take is rich and also an experienced Tomb Raider. So this isn't her first rodeo tomb. Um, <laughs> she, she's raided a lot of tombs. 
she's well established in society as well. Like you see scenes where um, different people are like, oh, it's Laura Croft, the, the famous right person. <laughs> um, her her kind of uh, backstory, uh, which is true in the game as well, is that she's basically masquerading as a photojournalist, but she's really um, a Tomb Raider, which I guess is a job. <laughs> that, you, that you can have. That's kind of like Indiana Jones, a school teacher, yeah. but I'm actually just going for the stuff. That's that's a good point. It belongs in a museum. I'll say this about this particular Tomb Raider as well, when you're saying it belongs in a museum. Laura Croft does not care about anthropology at, <laughs> at all. I mean, she will bust up anything just to get the one prize. It could be terracotta <laughs> um, soldiers. It could be, you know, ancient Roman pillars. It does not matter. How many things you shoot as long as you get <laughs> the the item that you're going for. I mean, this ancient tomb that hasn't been touched by man in thousands of years. I'm going to destroy <laughs> some learn, shit so I can get my one thing. We can learn so much about <laughs> the origins of man. Or a shiny object. <laughs> Which, um, you know, again, it's not designed for you to really think about too hard. Versus uh, Laura Croft and Tomb Raider, played by uh, Miss Vikander, who, this is, this is it. This is her first yeah. shot at Green's green is and she's doing this. She makes some some interesting choices in the film. Like she uh, she is rich, but refuses to be rich. Um, she refuses to believe her father is dead. That's the thing. Yeah, she can only get the money if she signs this, I guess, certificate of death. Right, and she can't get that inheritance until she you know signs it. But she doesn't want to believe he's dead, so it's been like five years, and she's just kind of slumming around. Yeah, I mean to the point where like this person who is, on paper, one of the richest people on the planet, is, like, stealing apples. Because she refuses, like you said, to sign off on her father's death. But I found that to be strange. I guess I understand her motivation, but when you look at some of the trials that she's going to go through, it would sure help if she had money, (laughs) maybe a crew, you know, like... She's got resources that she's not using. Well, yeah. I guess it plays into the plot later because she mm-hmm. doesn't want to leave her father's dead. And as we find out in the Tomb Raider movie, her father's actually not dead. The yeah. guy who said he killed her, it killed him, didn't kill him. And yeah. they never explain how he survived <laughs> or what he's been doing the last five years in that cave. It's... But uh, we'll get to that. We'll, we will get to that. But yeah, I, yeah, I can see why she wouldn't sign the papers. I don't. I, I, I understand that too from the idea that like, if you, in your heart of hearts, believe that your father's alive, you don't want to essentially acknowledge that he's dead because you just don't believe it. My only problem with it is that it's sort of creating other issues in her life that, like, they're going to sell off her father's mm-hmm. stuff. And I'm just like, maybe you concede on this ground and the off chance that you do find him. Because, like, even if there's a death cert, I feel like if he comes back alive, you know... <laughs> Where's my stuff? <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. Like, I don't want to harp on that too hard it, it's a choice that i think you're right that it, it fits the character and explains it just shows that she she is actively looking for her father um in a way that the original laura Croft film she's accepted that her father's gone in that film but i just find that when you're grounding things in reality it starts to get a little tough for me when you're looking at what would you do if your father's missing would you use the resources available to you or would you kind of like Kick around learning Muay Thai and you know, yeah, yeah working but, as a courier. <laughs> you know, that's, that's that is a good point. You could have uh, gotten that fortune and put out like, a search party out for him. I, I didn't think about that. I, neither movie is designed for you to, <laughs> for you to think about what's happening on film. Um, 
these these movies fall squarely in the realm of dumb action flick. My only thing is uh, in Tomb Raider, they're trying to sort of elevate beyond that with the reality, which then the big question machine starts coming into play for me in a way that I'm excusing so many crazier things in the first film because (laughs) the movie's like, "Eh, no, this is crazy. Well, the first movie, it sets off the crazy tone right away, (laughs) right off the bat. Does it? Um, But before we get into that, like, uh, I kind of feel like Laura's journey is almost like we kind of talk about Bruce Wayne. It's it's, she's kind of like that. She's got this fortune, like Batman Begins, kind of. Sure. He's got this whole fortune. He doesn't want to go to school. He's going to go around the world and learn about what a thief is. And instead of like using that fortune, and it's like once I discover who I am, then I'm going to use the fortune. So it's almost like they kind of did that. I can see that. Um, I'm not going to defend it 100%, but I thought it was, I was okay with the choice. Yeah. You know, you're going to do something different. And it's like her beginnings, I guess, what could she be doing if she had that fortune? Just be sitting around the house. Right. Not doing Muay Thai. No, you're right. There's a, there's a character development. I'm glad you bring up a film like Batman Begins that I think does something similar. Like you mentioned, I found it to be more focused in his approach to kind of becoming the Batman. Yeah. Although. Oh yeah, yeah. She didn't have any focus. She was just like kind of just in denial the whole time. Yeah. As opposed to like Bruce Wayne, who was like, "I'm going to do this." Now. But the the other thing though, from in that same breath, I will say uh, to defend the film, I don't think anyone goes out to be a Tomb Raider. Like, I, yeah. it's not like a job. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not, she doesn't really have an end goal other than finding her father. So it kind of makes sense that she's less focused on like a Bruce Wayne who. And plus, it's like um, she didn't know her father did this. That's another difference. Yeah. She knew in the original film that this was his jam. He's like, I'm going to go find artifacts and stuff. But in the remake, she didn't know. She just thought he was the head of a corporation. Right. Which, do we know what that corporation does? It was called... Oh, what it does. <laughs> okay. No. no. And so, so it is kind of so like Batman. I don't know what Wayne industry does, yeah. but I just know there's a lot of money it, in Wayne. It looked like, I think... Um, I don't have my notes right in front of me, but I believe at least one of the buildings she was at was called Croft Holdings, something like that. So maybe some kind of investing. If I had to guess, because I am guessing, (laughs) um, perhaps he like invests in adventures and the treasures that they find is (laughs) money. (laughs) It doesn't really matter. That's the thing. Like when it comes down to it, it doesn't actually matter, but it does show you sort of where they're going. This is an origin story. We're going to show you the humble beginnings. Yeah. And she's going to work her way up. So that they they nail that aspect of it. It makes me ask some questions, but if you leave that alone, it totally makes sense. Like yeah. So the 2018 film origin story, the Laura Croft Tomb Raider, kind of like an, an episode. Yeah. In the day of yeah. You're just kind of like jumping in the. Yeah. You're in the middle of another episode <laughs> of a crazy, crazy yes. life. I mean, I know we also have notes sort of about body type because you can't talk about yeah. Laura Croft, the video game, the character, the movies without talking about um, body types. And the original is based off of the source material. Mm-hmm. Um, Laura Croft has uh, assets. Um, Very curvy, Angelina Jolie. Yeah. Um, they actually padded her bra to make her bust even bigger. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy because I, I read like Laura Croft is like a double D and Angelina is 
C, so they had her to get to a D. It's already crazy. And I remember when the movie posters came out, they even photoshopped it to make her have a bigger chest. It's pretty ridiculous. But that when that's your character, it's like you kind of have to do it. I yeah, guess. yeah. It, you know, we've, we've come some ways in terms of character portrayals in film and video games in Lara Croft in ways a flawed sort of uh, uh, protagonist was kind of like the original badass, especially in the 3D era of video games, the original badass female character. That's true. Uh, the waist, super cinched, the boobs, super big. <laughs> like, it's a character, like, if, I know you haven't really played the games, but, like, she's shooting double guns and doing backflips and, like, literally, like, <laughs> she's basically an Olympic-level gymnast with giant boobs that <laughs> shoots things. And, um... Nailed it. Um, uh, yeah, sold a lot of video games and made a lot of money. So, I mean, the one thing, and I think why the movie did so well at the time was Angelina Jolie looked like Lara Croft, the character. Mm. And um, when it comes to the male gaze, as it were, uh, <laughs> you know, that's what the people paid to see. And um, I can't, I can't fault them for taking a source material and saying this is what the character looks like because she she nails it. And um, Tonally as well, because, again, I know you didn't play uh, the video games necessarily. She actually does nail Lara Croft's attitude as well. Lara Croft, in these dangerous situations, is cracking jokes and making quips. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's that's kind of who the character is. And I think Angelina Jolie nails the body type and the tone of the character. But yeah, Alicia Vikander, she is... She also nails kind of what the new yeah. Tomb Raider looks like. She's a more muscular. She looks like she does CrossFit. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. like it's believable. She's muscular, trains like we talked about the Muay Thai scene. So she's learning practical skills that could be applied to Tomb Raiding. Yeah, this is a more again going to the more believable ground in reality uh, Tomb Raider, and she put on a lot of muscle. Yeah, for this movie, no, she she looked great, and, yeah. and I mean. It's not. It's not that she's not. Um, oh boy, let's not get canceled. But it's not. She's still a feminine woman, you know. Um, she's still like she looks great, but she's not like this giant boob. Like. Yeah, she doesn't have the boobs that like you initially think. Which thing of Lara Croft? Which, but you know, in fairness, the rebooted games they definitely they reduce the size. Yeah, I mean, she she does look like the character in the rebooted games, yeah. and um, I, I'll say that about both. Both films, when it comes to the source material and, mm -hmm. and what was presented, both actresses are nailing the portrayals. Yeah. Um, I was going to say for better or for worse, but just really, just that's what it is. And that's who. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When the first Tomb Raider came out, if she, if Alicia Vikander was in oh, that one, people would everybody would, yeah, people, people would ride in the yeah, streets. No one would have gone and seen it. I mean, I mean, I'm sure someone would have, but like, the fanboys would not have been happy with that portrayal. And I think what Angelina was able to do by just being the gorgeous woman that she is, <laughs> plus, like you mentioned, with some help, um, <laughs> she actually put a real face to this ridiculous cartoonish character, which is a testament to her. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, we all know Angelina Jolie is consistently considered one of the, uh, the hottest, sexiest women on the planet, but she also gets to play this sort of super genius Tomb Raider, uh, Vikander, again nailed it. I mean, yeah. she her commitment to looking more muscular, like I think she she got the job done. Yeah, and like vice versa, like if you had put out another large-breasted Laura Croft oh in God, 2018, I mean, people it would have been in the streets it again. It would have been a disaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> both 
I think it was perfectly cast for each respective film. Yeah, yeah. The original Lara Croft from like the early days, British, <laughs> um, witty, badass, Angelina Jolie nails it. The reboot, you've got realistic, tough, gritty, um, Vikander, she, she nails it. And yeah, I mean, I've got nothing negative to say about it, either their portrayal. We can start talking about screenplay stuff, but like the, <laughs> the actresses were perfectly cast. Yeah, I agree. Should we go into other characters? Yeah, I think we should talk about some uh, some other characters. Which ones do you want to go to? Should we go to antagonist, or do you want to talk about the dads first? Let's talk about the dads first, because I think that's part of um, the Lara Croft character. You have to sort of discuss the dads to kind of get some of her motivation. Sounds good. So Papa Croft... Played by Angelina's real daddy, John oh Boyd. <laughs> and then we have Dominic West in the 2018 film. Mm-hmm. All right, so I guess we can talk a little bit of the differences of the characters. We had already said that uh, her dad's dead. Well, we found out early in both films that the dad's dead. Mm-hmm. But it turns out in the, the Lara Croft movie, he really is dead. And she's trying to get the time thing so she could bring him back to right. prevent his death right and then in the remake or the new one uh we find out he's actually not dead he's just been hiding on that island for five years in a cave not doing anything he's just been there well he's he's trying to stop the he's, trinity from finding his by what hanging out in a cave misdirection Mis- yeah I, but like <laughs> he's in a cave wait what is he, what is he misdirecting uh, they, they got bad notes, and he knows the good notes, and he's trying to... What's he uh, trying? Was he, like, I, sneaking in the camp and swapping on the notes? <laughs> I, I, they didn't, they I, never explicitly yeah, right. say what he does. He, do, he does throw that line out there, like, I've been misleading them. I it's just like, accepted when? it. Are you misleading them now while you're in the cave, or have you, were you misleading them before they right. killed you? Uh, I don't have the answer to that. Yeah. Um, it's a little confusing. Unfortunately. And something that should be kind of more or less a simple plot line. I think it would be better if he's like, like I've been trying to stay under the radar so they can't find me, and I'm trying to find it before they do. Uh, I think they're using bad notes, and I've got good notes. Yeah, if he was trying to find it before they did, that, that would, makes sense. But it sounded like he was just going like, to wait. How long could die. how long could you pull that off though? Because like, how big is this island? They're <laughs> eventually going to find it. Yeah, no matter what you do, they have a lot of dynamite. <laughs> they got a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of dynamite. I don't know. Like when you look at the Dominic West portrayal, like you said. He's in a cave. Uh, Motivation-wise, I just don't quite understand why this ultra-rich dude is... I don't know. Like, there's got to be other ways to do this. Hire, like, just like the bad guys. Hire Blackwater mercenaries (laughs) to, like, stop them if they do find it. You know, like, there's other things that you can do here. And also, like, that kind of, like, weird, tropey cliche of take my notes and burn them. Don't, Don't let them find them. It's just like... Hey, dude, why don't you burn your own notes? Yeah, and by the way, why are his notes at home if he was going to that island to find this? And it's like, wouldn't you bring your notes with you, you know? Maybe you wouldn't be stuck in a cave <laughs> yeah. if you knew where you were looking. And then you could burn your own notes. Yeah. It's like, wait, so you didn't go with your notes, so what were you going on? Just right. your memory? Right. I mean, come on. It, it, yeah, to the point problems. To the point that he's like, basically like castaway he's like yeah beard scruffy he looks like all he shit. needed was a t- he's, uh, volleyball he's hallucinating yeah he's like she'll go away, she'll uh, go away. I, mean, I mean whatever his plan was it has failed <laughs> yeah it was terrible because <laughs> it's ineffectual and like he's he's left this sort of void 
in his daughter's life that like is actively making her life bad. Yeah. And it's making her make poor choices herself. She didn't go to university. She's stealing apples. There's nothing wrong with honest work, but like she's a courier. She's getting paint everywhere. I want to bring that up when we talk about acting. Okay, we will. <laughs> I, I want to talk about the paint. <laughs> but because I think that um, we'll, we'll get back That's to a that. Lot of paint. Whereas like John Voight is kind of nailing this like almost Richard Branson type like rich dad <laughs> like uh he he is lord richard croft like i buy that mm-hmm. that dude is basically the type of people that you would see during like when like egyptologists were out in the streets like someone wearing like a safari hat going out to a cave <laughs> being like a father's kind of british dude but like <laughs> yeah. just a rich dude with money who's like i'm going to find the mm-hmm. the holy grail like he's that's basically who he is and john Voight nails it yeah we don't get a lot of scenes with John Voight. It's mostly flashbacks, yeah. maybe some voiceovers um, from any letters that he left behind for Laura. And then we get one scene of them interacting when she uh, is able to go back in time. Um, but yeah, he's he's dead and she wants to get him back. That's a easy plot to follow. Right. You know, anybody right. who's lost a loved one can understand that. And if you of have course. the ability to do that, you'd want to do that. Of so. course. I do like, and you know, it helps that this is later in her career, as it were. She's moved on in a way that she's functioning. Yeah. Um, but she still does long to, for her father, she does want him back and she has sort of, like you mentioned, resources and the means to potentially do that. So while it's not encompassing her entire life, it's definitely part of her character motivation and sort of explains why she does what she does when she could just kick back and do it literally anything else yeah she's definitely um i don't want to say affected by it but you know it's definitely a part of her like her father his legacy and you know, she, she like his anniversary of his death mm-hmm. was there so it was addressed right um but like you said it's not Maybe. ruining her life she's not doing i'm not, I'm not gonna do that i'm, I'm not that this. i'm not that I'm, type of cross yeah you know? exactly i'm not that type of cross that a lot in the new one it's kind of like you know somebody you love has passed on, and you know you're gonna you're not gonna forget them, but um, yeah. you're not gonna stop, <laughs> right, or ruin your life over over it. Of course, and I found that um, kind of that less is more approach with John Voight was, uh, in my opinion, a little bit more effective. Um, in terms of she doesn't really like really see her father again. I guess maybe through supernatural means. Kind of, but he, I think he says that he's more or less a memory. From what yeah, I it, was, it was a little gray there if she actually interacts with him. But at least this memory is giving her good advice, which is like, look, time may have been stolen from us, but you can't steal time because, of course, that's a bad idea. <laughs> um, so he, he's like, you know, let me go. And she has, in a sense, the closure. She's still sad about it, but. Her father understands the implications of messing with time and space. And he's like, destroy this. This is not a power that anyone should have. The Dominic West, <laughs> is, hey, uh, here's my camera. The battery still works. Um, <laughs> destroy my notes. And I'm like, dude, yeah. try harder, man. <laughs> Go home and be a family, man. <laughs> we also got a lot of flashbacks with Dominic oh West, God. too. And they're pretty much the same thing. I'm going now. Yeah. See you later. Bye. You're a little older, Bye. and I'm still going. See Bye. Yeah. Uh, I guess what they're trying to just portray is like she has kind of abandonment issues. Yeah. With him, like he keeps right. Leaving. Rightfully her. so. 
again, it's just it, it's a weaker character. He's the weaker prompt, yeah, for sure. By by far. I just we never really get that moment where he feels like the type of father figure that you really would be hung up on. Yeah, that you understand why she's uh, ignoring this fortune or just yeah. abandoning it altogether because you don't understand like what a great man this guy is. And it's like, right? Uh, yeah, I'm not seeing it. <laughs> right. Whereas like, even without him being there, John Boyd's character, like, because they, they kind of, from a sort of character design, costuming perspective, got it. Rich, British, dad, done. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, the, the other one, this sort of back and forth, and I understand it because it's an origin story and it's closer to home for her. You see more examples of him, as you mentioned, being a bad dad. Yeah. And I understand why she didn't go to university. I understand why she's making poor choices because she didn't have a father figure to like teach her anything better. Yeah. And then I was looking at the the grave at the mausoleum and like her mom died in like 96. And yeah. She's like probably in her early 20s in the film. So she didn't have a mom either. So all she had was that uh, Anna woman. Yeah. So she didn't have any parental. No, no. I mean, there, there was no, no guidance. And like I said, um, I would have liked more scenes of Dominic West, whether them interacting in a way that, like you said, isn't just see you later. <laughs> like you, they introduced the concept of these like random Japanese puzzles. Maybe if they were like doing a puzzle together and he was giving her advice about like, it's not what it seems, you know, like that <laughs> something that you could fall back on. And then you have uh, a call back to later. Of course. And she uses it in the film. A, a movie. <laughs> <laughs> is that what that is? <laughs> but, um, I guess I get it. It, you know, it's early enough in life that she can get that type of closure, I guess, where she sees her father again. But um, even in the, the interactions, it's not great. You guys, she's injured mm-hmm. in a cave. It's not looking good. And he looks like hell and he thinks he's hallucinating. And even though she gets to see her father again, it's not the best of him. It's not the best condition he could be in. And it just uh, it felt flat to me. I didn't yeah. enjoy it. Yeah, the reunion, I feel like it could have had more. I almost feel like... She, she should have almost been angry. Yeah. You're here. You've been here the whole time. Right. How right. dare you? I was, I thought you were dead. You know, a little a little more from, I guess, from our Laura. But, you know, they had her injured. So she's going to just get sewn up and pass out. So yeah. You don't really get that um, that moment. Like, we're finally together. And right. This is the moment, like, that she's been waiting for her, like, her whole life. Right. Pretty much since he left. And, uh yeah, they just don't deliver emotionally. No, nah, like no. Nah. And it, it's, um, unfortunately, having him there doesn't really help the plot, nor does it truly further it either. No, no. You know, it's like she goes on despite his advice. She's like, oh, let, leave it alone. Don't yeah. try to go after him. It's too <laughs> dangerous. So even though she finds him, she doesn't even listen to him, and they separate again anyway. So yeah. it's just a... Uh, it's a choice. I think that they missed the mark. Yeah, they more or less. The mark. The only way he helps her is when he blows himself up, so the tomb starts breaking down. She's able to make that jump. Yeah, that's the only way he helped her out. Yeah, I mean that. That's pretty much it. Um, he was pretty. Yeah, he's pretty useless. He didn't solve any of the puzzles nope. really. No. Um, she was the one that figured them all out. Correct. She didn't need him at all, and like, because she was kind of stranded um, by herself. And I thought, like, oh, how's she going to get back? She's not going to find the tomb. She's What's she going to do? Oh, he's going to be able to help her, and he's going right. to lead her. No, right. she, he didn't do any of that. No. <laughs> he was, like, trying to hold her back from that. So, yeah, he was kind of a pointless character. <laughs> Should have just been dead. I mean, honestly, like, uh, 
Yes, he should have been because for that character, there's not proper closure there. If she already thinks he's missing or dead, like I actually would rather the Angelina Jolie situation where she may not think he's dead because they just have missing on his tombstone. But like, you know, I would rather that of like still thinking maybe he's out there than actually seeing him and seeing him in that condition. Because it would have been more powerful if he had done better on his own. Like, even if like, his camp, if it wasn't a cave, if he had, like, some shack somewhere, like, and he was doing reasonably, like, well, mm-hmm. I think that would have made the character better as well. But, like, this is just, he, he's a failure. Yeah. <laughs> All around. So you got it, John Voight. John Voight. John Voight's <laughs> best dad. <laughs> Maybe not in real life. <laughs> I guess uh, since the dad is kind of like a moot point in, in that remake, uh, I guess we can start talking about villains. Yes. We have... Manfred Powell, portrayed by Ian Glenn, and then Sir Jorah Mormont. <laughs> and then we have Matthias Bogle, portrayed by Walter Goggins. Yeah. Um, so they both work for these evil corporations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which one do you prefer? I prefer Manfred Powell. Just tonally, I think the Laura Croft Tomb Raider film pretty much like gets British culture. Like, they don't go over the top of the British, but, like, he's a sophisticated gentleman. Yeah. Clearly evil, but, like, he's he's smart, and he, you know, he's very capable. Mm-hmm. Um, And he, he seems like an ultra-rich guy that's out for domination. Love it. I think he's a great villain. I mean, maybe cartoonish, but that's the type of film we're looking at. I didn't think he was too cartoonish. I thought he could he could have been... Like really over the he top, could, I think, especially in that movie. Yeah, he really could. I thought he did a nice job of being pretty grounded. It w- he does have some absurd moments that I love. Uh, <laughs> like again, we're in a time crunch here. Yeah, and the motherfucker is just like on a, getting a massage yeah. in a tent. Harder. We have like sixty hours. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna get this yeah. awesome massage. I don't really care. He's like, he doesn't worry at all. I yeah. love that about. Him. I do like that about. Like to your point, um, <laughs> when he's first meeting with the Illuminati, you're like. We don't have the keys yet, and we have one week. He's like, "Yeah, no, we're gonna have it. <laughs> one week. Got it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he's not even remotely close to finding yeah, the item. He leaves with his assistant. Are we close? Not, not at all. <laughs> I like, <laughs> like, I like oh, the God. assistant, by the way, Mister Pims. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man! And then he also, <laughs> like, everybody's like excavating on the site, and he's just like. On some like chase lounge, yeah. just like eating fruit like some <laughs> Greek god or something. It's he's he, having a good time. He's, he's having a good time. He's got some good lines like um when like he he has the like fake backstory. He's like, oh, I'm a lawyer, and he's like, so what's up with you and Klotz? He's like, it's my my obsession. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have found pleasure in my ignorance. Like these lines that are so over the top. I love them. I think yeah. that it's fun. No, I think he does a really good job with the, with the material. <laughs> Granted, he's not he's not one of the old great villains, yeah, but no. I think he's having he's having some fun. He's not over the top, so it, it, I thought it was a pretty fun and good performance. I, I totally agree. Matthias Vogel, played by Walton Goggins, I don't have a problem with Goggins himself. Well, I do, but like I don't get it. Like, yeah, what, what is, it's kind of a boring. What do you want? Villain? Yeah, he, <laughs> he looked like I unfortunately like. I think the look kind of is part of it. Like, Walton Goggins doesn't look very intimidating to me. Mm-hmm. And he looks really, like, disheveled the whole time. Yeah. And he plays more of, like, a manic, kind of, like, crazy character. 
Whereas like whereas like when we're talking about Manfred Powell, that air of distinguished gentleman, like he's crazy but he's in control. And there's moments where it's like, I could kill you now, but I won't. <laughs> and like he plays like a more traditional villain, whereas Goggins kind of feels like um a madman, and I would like to see more nuance from him. I don't know what your take is on it. I would kind of almost equivocate him to a more boring version of uh, Bella from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. 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 He's just kind of there, and he's he's driving the plot forward, so he's he's good for that. He's not totally useless, but yeah, you're like, what what exactly is yeah. his motivation? You know, they they play a lot of mystery there, like who's he getting his information from for our twist ending? Yeah, yeah. Uh, which oh fun. I thought it was okay. I give him that. Like, I didn't think his character was that fun. He wasn't too over the top. No. I didn't really see him as too much of a threat. He does kill some of the workers, but. It just didn't seem that interesting. They maybe they just didn't give him a lot to work with, or maybe it's just his portrayal. But it was just kind of an all right performance. It, yeah, I didn't really hate it, but it was wasn't really memorable. Yeah, like I said, it's not like it's not like the acting itself. Like I, I felt like he was he did an okay job. I just think maybe it's the source material. Maybe it's what they had him do. Like I found moments of it hard to sort of follow where why the people were still kind of like following him you know like yeah I, I found it difficult to think that that guy would have been able to keep control of those mercenaries for that long yeah. um considering the item that they're going for um once you get to himiko's tomb and you find out like that this is a, basically a disease and now you are asking like paid mercenaries mm-hmm. to handle like basically bioweapons yeah. right. or you'll shoot them it's like how about the six of us shoot you and we leave this tomb? Because, like, they don't really have a lot of motivation to be there. And I think that that's sort of where I struggled with the character was I get he's bad and, I guess, dangerous. But he doesn't seem that dangerous that people are going to, like, oh, shit, I, I can't upset the boss or I'm screwed. Like, I just felt like there were other people that could have been just, I'll take over. Like, Yeah, the, the thing is, like, he wasn't. He's not the top dog. Yeah. You know he's working for somebody. Right. So obviously they're mercenaries, so they're working for money. So even if they like killed him, they're they could still get paid by whoever's for sure. hired him. He, so there's nothing there's no loyalty they don't have right. towards him. When you talk about video games and like movies, he doesn't feel like the big bad. You know, he feels yeah. like yeah, he's a bad guy and he's a problem, but he doesn't feel like like you mentioned, he's not really the person that's making all this happen. Mm-hmm. He just is the conduit by which that person's working through. But like, he's expendable. And we kind of all know that. And I think it weakened the character where it's like, uh, how mattered? Yeah. You know? And I think that's the major difference that I found between the two films. And not only that, like, Powell, once he gets the power, he turns on the Illuminati. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he wants that power for himself. Um, he was always looking out for number one. Yep. So... He definitely feels like that big baddie the whole time. Even, yeah. when, even when he's working for the Illuminati, like you don't really find you find him more threatening than them. Yeah, yeah. Even though he's their hired gun, but then he's able to turn it around. He has them all killed, and then he's like so close to getting that power. So he's definitely yeah, just yeah. a better if, villain if he, overall. If you just could have beat her in a foot race, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that close. That a uh, climbing scene. the. Pyramid to get the thing and should we talk about that because that was a little weird 
It was really weird, man. Yeah. It was weird. So what we're kind of alluding to is in Lara Croft Tomb Raider, when they like unlock the key and they have basically gotten to the point where they could control time. Because all the planets are aligned. Yep. It happens every 5,000 5, years. 5,000 years, yeah. <laughs> one shot, one shot. One in a million, Doc. Um, <laughs> uh, I got lost. I got lost, I got too. lost. It's, it's sort of... It gets, like, artsy, kind yeah, of. Yeah, like, it gets gray, and yeah. there's a pyramid, and they both run, and they both jump. And then he, like, falls into the shadow realm, but he's alive. <laughs> like, it gets, it gets really odd. In a way that I don't quite get, and it also allows the re- reveal that he killed the father. Like it just, I don't quite understand the mechanics of the yes, the power. Exactly, it's yeah. one of the most confusing portrayals of time travel I've ever seen yeah. in a film. Yeah. That's for sure. I mean, I guess it's not important exactly how it works. It's just that she's able to get to these places in time that right. she needs to see. So, you know, the end sort of justifies the means. Right. You don't really need to understand how it works. Just know that something weird and crazy is happening. But, like, before all that happens, they have to have this weird foot race. I, and it's like, where did that pyramid come from? And right. It's like, are they in reality or are they in, like, an alternate plane? Right. It wasn't really explained. And it's like, why I, are they running to it? Wasn't it just attached right before them? Like, wouldn't the person who attached it still have it in their hand? You would think. Uh, it was um, weird. Yeah, and, and it kind of goes back to sort of like one one of the issues that I do have with the original film is that Laura just knows things. So like, yeah. no one's confused that they're in an altered plane and that they're on a py- <laughs> pyramid. They're just like, nope, there's a thing I need. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, there's never really a, a step back to say why mm-hmm. ha- or how. <laughs> what is happening? And, and I, you know what? It's okay based on the film that yeah. As presented, but it is it is confusing. And you know, once that scene ended, I just kind of like just found the next reasonable thing to latch on. Exactly. To. Yeah. It was like, all right, whatever that was, cool. I guess she's got the power, and now she can take your knife and it will hit you instead. And but <laughs> both films do the same thing with the villains, uh, and we should talk about this. Even though there's no reason to have a fair fight, they both decide that we're going to have a fist fight now <laughs> at the most inopportune time. Yeah. Foul's fight happens. Oh, <laughs> this fight happens after she's already gone back in time. And, yep. like, she's, uh, he kills uh, her, I guess, her friend, Alex West, yeah. and with a knife. But she yeah. goes back in time and is able to turn the knife around and yeah. stabs him. Right. And you think he's dead. No. No. Not only is he nah. not dead, he's a top fighting sheet. Yeah. It was amazing. Was like, oh my God. <laughs> he was kicking her ass. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Totally that, unexpected. I was sitting there, I was kind of like rooting for the bad guy a little bit. I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> like everybody's leaving, the cave is collapsing. You think, oh, he's going to just die there. No, yeah. he's ready for one more round. Let's go. One more. It's one so more crawl. And it's like, wow, if he wasn't stabbed in the heart, I wonder if he would have. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Like, it wasn't even, like, the gut. It was, like, straight up the yeah. same thing that killed uh, Daniel Craig, who we'll talk about yeah. next. <laughs> He's just like, mm, mm, rough day in the office. <laughs> and, like, I mean, like, puts him up and, like, <laughs> spinning kicks and shit. Ah, oh, man. But, like, th- th- this moment that we're having is kind of, like, the, the joy of that film. Yeah. It's ridiculous and fun. Right. And it's just, like... All right, let's have fun with this. Why not? I mean, it's not like it comes out of nowhere. Like, the whole movie's been kind of setting up this absurd fights the whole time. So, one more, why not? Why not? (laughs) Why not? And then, then, I mean, again, I want to come back to the end end later, but, like, 
the choice they make after that are fantastic in a very insane way. The same type- wait, 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 before we get to that, yeah. like it is a pretty pointless fight though, because you could have easily just had him she just stabbed left. in the heart, yeah. the cave's collapsing, just leave him and he's dead. She could have just left. You could have just left, but no, we have to add We're, one more action. Well, even, even Alice West is like, it's not worth it. He's like, yeah. nah, you know, <laughs> kill my dad. You know what? I want to duke this one out. So it was a pretty pointless fight that if it wasn't there, you, you wouldn't have. Nothing would have changed yeah, exactly. the film. <laughs> Nothing would have changed uh, at all. In the reboot, Tomb Raider. So you, you've got kind of a similar situation where you've got a cave that's starting to collapse. Basically, you find Himiko's uh, tomb. You find her, her body, and it's sort of revealed that, oh, she's not an evil witch or a sorceress. She was just a more or less a sick woman mm-hmm. that had, like, this crazy disease that, like... Touch kill- me and you die. Yeah. And, like, there's really... Maybe a few people were immune to it, but overall, it would have killed so many people. So she exiled herself. Upon learning that, our vocal character was like, oh, I can't take the whole body, but give me a finger. <laughs> Chops off a finger, puts in a Ziploc bag. <laughs> yeah, like that's really going to protect them. Oh my and, God. And, and I'm just like sitting there like, guys, it's not worth it. <laughs> like, it, it is not worth it. Maybe come back later. Come back later. Come back later. Come back with some hazmat suits, you know? <laughs> Like, time isn't there's no time there's no in, yeah in, in even the remake, even no. if this cave collapsed even if you guys are so rich get a couple of backhoes come back yeah like you will you will find this place again they've been there for years correct they have an unlimited source of wealth a to draw from resource just, just, you don't need it right away and, and it's just like that's kind of where i was going with like the motivation like the sort of blackwater mercenary guys there's no reason for, that if you're just paying me, that I'm going to handle biohazardous material because I'm like, you know what, dude? Um, <laughs> no. And if you try to make me, fuck you. I'm going to shoot you, and I'll tell the boss to come back later. So you you have this kind of ridiculous reveal that's grounded in reality. I'll, I'll give you that. The tomb is falling down because her father has sacrificed himself. So she's got like her little like pickaxe backhoe, and she's she's gonna like she takes it. And when Vogel offers to, like, fight her while the tomb's falling down, and she takes a weapon, (laughs) throws it down, and then, like, proceeds to mostly get her ass kicked before kind of getting the upper hand. I'm like, dude, there is no reason to have a fair fight with this man. He would kill you and your father at a moment's (laughs) notice. She, I mean, he literally was going to do that. You have a weapon in your hands. Mm Mm-hmm. Look, I don't want to bring gender into this, but let's do it. You're, you, you are a 20-something-year-old woman. This is an insane person that murders for fun. Take that shit and, you know, I mean, yeah. use it. Use no the need weapon. To the playing field it, it's, when she threw it down, I was like, all right, I, I can't. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and the fight goes on for too long. It's, it's preposterous. And, like, the whole time, I might have been able to, like, give it the same appreciation that I gave the uh, the pal fight but when she threw the the weapon down I was like you know what I'm done I'm done with this because this doesn't make sense but did you like how the fight ended how she took the finger out of his pocket and crammed it down his throat yeah that was that was yeah man I hated it that was it was such a weird moment in this movie that's been pretty grounded in reality yeah. to have this kind of 80s over the top death uh, scene yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it, you're right it took me out of it. I was like, why Why all of a sudden are we becoming an 80s action film? Yeah. I think it's like um, 
it's one of the Jet Li movies, but like Romeo Must Die or something like that. Like one of the plot points is they have like a nuclear weapon and they just like stuff it in the guy's mouth and then like he explodes from the inside, but like nothing else happens. And it felt like that. It was like, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Like it's a nuclear bomb. Like I could just, anybody near it is going to die. And I felt the same way here where it's like, all right, you're handling the same thing that's yeah. killing people. Are you immune to it? I don't think you are. So you're right. It turns into crazy 80s, like flesh ripping off him. <laughs> just like, and at that point, dude, I was so checked out. I didn't care. Yeah. I didn't care. <laughs> but she won. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. I mean, I guess what we're saying is clearly Manfred Powell is the better villain. Oh, yeah, clearly. Uh, just, and one little thing about Vogel. Uh, mm-hmm. He also has a very weak motivation. I, I was talking about, like, they don't have a timestamp. They could just come back later. Sure. His motivation is that it's pretty dumb. I want to get off the island. It's pretty weak. I mean, yeah. I can understand. You've been on an island working for five right. years. You want to get off. But, you know, do you want to get off and have all your limbs attached and not be like this decaying thing. Right, right. Or do you, you know, just just wait a few more days. Couple. You don't have to just do, it's so dangerous what he was doing. Right. There's it, no, we have to do it now. I need the finger now. Uh, yeah. Dumb. Yeah, just like you mentioned, I get trying to end this years long thing, but at the same time, like, what's a couple more days? Yeah. What's a couple more days? Everybody's going to be fine. Even if the cave, like, it just exploded, you got all that money from your investors man should we talk about the friends of uh, Lara sure we have as you said before Daniel Craig James Bond playing Alex West we have Noah Taylor another Game of Thrones alum uh, playing Bryce he was also in the Vanilla Sky remake oh, that yeah. reviewed last time and we have her butler Hillary and that's the Lara Croft movie and then the remake or the new one we have Lou Ren her dad's buddy's son. Any place you want to start with this? Yeah, we'll, we'll kind of, uh, I think uh, we'll start with Alex West because he kind of falls into uh, antagonist territory. Mm-hmm. So before we kind of get into like more yeah, friends. Sure. Again, from the series, this is a callback to the uh, games. Alex West oh. is a character. Okay. He is basically her rival. So um, oh. yeah, so he does the same thing and they kind of constantly compete over raiding tombs. So there's also clearly a bit of a romance element as well. They kind of hate each other, but it's because they kind of like each other. Uh, again, Batman. Batman and Catwoman. Yeah. Us. Yeah. Parallels. <clears throat> I mean, Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig in it. Um, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Daniel Craig in it with an American accent? Yeah. What? Yeah. They both get the trade shower scenes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <See>? <laughs> Who's hotter? <laughs> it's a... Uh, Decent portrayal, you know, yeah. he, he comes across as like a rival. Um, he's working with the big bad guys, but you know, he does have a line like ultimately he's not that bad, right? You know, he's in it for the treasure, not necessarily for the murder. And there's not really anything to sort of backdrop him against in the reboot, but uh, you know, I did want to take some time personally to say that I thought Daniel Craig was fine, I thought that he added to the movie, um, stakes were raised when he died. So, overall, a good character for me. But because there's not really something to sort of juxtaposition him against, nothing for me other than I like, I like yeah. Daniel Craig's portrayal. I thought he was fine. Sort of that gray character. He's not really, you know, he's good and he's bad. Right. It's like, it's like oh my gosh, James Bond. You don't want him to be bad, but he's kind of working for the bad guys. Yeah. And he ultimately becomes uh, a good guy in the end. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, decent character um, portrayed 
fine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, like sometimes we don't take into account that just doing your job is a good thing. Yeah. Um, because he's not detracting from the movie. Yeah, he's not the star of the movie, so it's not like he has to do anything super spectacular. But no. I didn't see his portrayal and go, man, I wish this character wasn't here. Oh, I like this character. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, um, too, that it's another thing for her to kind of have a back and forth with. Like, yeah. Which fits the uh, original series as well. well so. There you go. Bryce? Yeah, Bryce and Hillary are more um, to Lou Ren. I would say so. Bryce is kind of like your uh, your techie guy. Yeah. Um, going back to the Italian driver. I was thinking. I was thinking. Yes. <laughs> he is the Napster. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, you thought that too. That's exactly what I thought. Yeah, he's your tech guy. Anything tech wise, tech techno babble, bang bang boom, bang, got it done. Yep. yep. Got to break into something, code break, or yeah. or create robots to try to kill my boss <laughs> um, for training purposes, of course. Sort of a comedic relief at the same time. Absolutely. That's it. He's a tech guy. You've seen yeah. it in a million movies. Um, again, does the job well. Uh, pretty much from an acting perspective, you tap on the keyboard and you say words and you're nailing it. Yeah. You know? Hillary, who I found to be, again, uh, some of the comedic relief as well, but I, I like the character a lot. He's really endearing. Um, he's deeply committed to Laura Croft, um, and probably more so the Croft family name. He feels yeah. like kind of like a whole like Alfred. Yeah, definitely <laughs> like an Alfred. To the point where, like, just like Alfred Pennyworth, um, sometimes he kicks a little bit of ass. Like, there's uh, there's some yeah. fight scenes. He'll go get a shotgun and shoot it, <laughs> basically like Navy SEALs, dude. So, Bruce, oh, see the Bruce, Bryce and Hillary, fun supporting characters. They help drive plot in some ways because they help the main villain, excuse me, the protagonist, um, look out for that guy by the Aston Martin or, you know, <laughs> or I'm going to shoot it. The guy, like it's, it's a fun character that like also helps explain how our protagonist is able to do things because she's not riding solo. She's got help. She's yeah. got a support system and I like them. I find them to be fun and funny. Yeah, I thought they were okay. I guess I think you liked them more than I did. I Pro- probably. <laughs> they were pretty, pretty by the books, like kind of sidekicks, comic reliefs. You know, yeah. they're not really that important. They're there. For, <laughs> no, they're not. They're there for a few laughs. Show that our protagonist has a support system. Yeah. Um, they did okay, but you know, there's a million of them in a million movies, this- so I didn't think they were anything special. And I was okay with the portrayals. You know, I could take them or leave them. Yeah, I, I would say that. Um, again, it's kind of like that Daniel Craig situation where like. By doing the thing that you're kind of hired for, yeah. I'm like, all right, cool. Um, yeah, I got. I, I liked his character more though because uh, I, I, no. Oh, I yeah, Craig. Okay. yeah, yeah. Because I like you know characters that aren't just necessarily good or bad. That they, they kind of walk the right between both. So I thought I like that more than just kind of this. Uh, yuck, yuck. Here you go. Yeah, boss. Yeah. Let me do this. Oh, yeah. you did the thing. I told you not to do the thing. Oh, yeah. Wear the dress. You're wearing the dress. Yeah. It's like oh, you killed uh, my robot. Yeah. It's like uh, you're right. They're they're. For me, yeah, it was a few more sighs than laughs. Yeah, that, I, I could get, I, I can get down with that. Um, I'm trying to remember because it's been a while since I've played the original series. I think Hillary does come into play. Um, I don't think that that's just a made up character. Um, Bryce probably as well. Like it's, I believe they're sticking pretty close to source material. You know, the butler is like, oh, you ruined another vice or stuff like that. Like, yeah, you're right. It's a side character, but I get enough out of them that. I'm okay with them, especially when we're comparing them to 
Luren. Luren. Like I said, he's the son of Lara's father's colleague. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she stumbles upon him when she's looking for the boat. Yeah. She found this one random invoice among a million papers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And she's going to go with this one. I think this boat means something. Right. So uh, I'll start with him. I like how he started mm-hmm. in the film. Yeah. He was kind of a drunk. He was kind of he was kind of the comedic relief where I thought he was going to be the right. kind of this comic relief who's going to play against our protagonist a lot, but he's gone like after a few minutes, and I was kind of bummed that he didn't really get to do anything because he seems like an interesting character. This kind what? of guy who kind of gave up on life is just going to be drunk the rest of his days, but now here's this girl whose father went through the same thing your father went through. Yeah. Maybe she's going to sort of you know, maybe kickstart your life again. And then uh, I thought his journey would be an interesting one to see alongside with hers, but he just gets shafted. And uh, I was kind of bummed. You know, we lost him. It makes you sort of wonder, like, why even hire Daniel Wu if you're not going to have him do anything? You know, like, all right, like you said, he starts as drunk and, like, that's cool, nice character arc we see a flaw kind of early on mm-hmm. that he can overcome. Yeah. Uh, they both more or less get captured. He just kind of does the slave work that everyone else does. And then, I mean, like, dude, Daniel Wu, throw a couple sidekicks, man. Like, <laughs> what, are, what are we doing here? Like, use him. Yeah. Use him. He's there. And like you said, he's just kind of gone. And it's unfortunate because he could have been a very strong character. Yeah. Like I said, they set up a really good story for him to, to go somewhere. There's mm-hmm. places he could have went with that arc, but it kind of just fills out. And it kind of goes somewhere, but they don't really focus on it, so you don't really care about him right. at all, or his character. And after a while, he's just he's literally just standing there, just waiting yeah. for like a good chunk of the movie while our protagonist actually goes and raids the tomb and it's why couldn't he he should have been there yeah you know? he they should have used him more yeah. they definitely used his character I mean even if he again like these are action movies there's all kinds of tropey things you can do around it he throws her a gun you know like hits another guy you know like there's there's a place for your sidekick to do things mm-hmm. and like Alex West does things in the movie um, a lot of times against our protagonist in the same vein, there could have been a space for Lou Random maybe play kind of with the bad guys for a second and then have a redemptive arc. I just don't know why they sort of squander introducing that character because it's not like there's a lot of characters in the movie to work with anyway. So yeah. if he's there, you use him. Exactly. Just yeah. uh, missed opportunity for sure. Completely. Which uh, doesn't give us a lot to discuss, you know? Um <laughs> I just found that the collection of sidekicks in the original film, again, this is, part of this comes back to the tone, help with the tone where it's like, yes, there's action, mm-hmm. yes, there's seriousness, but it's mostly kind of a funny movie. You yeah. know? It's a action comedy mm-hmm. in, in, in a way that this other film is more real, real and gritty, but mm-hmm. they don't let their characters do real and gritty things um, as much as I think they should. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like uh, the, the Lou Ryan character, it could have been like some good back and forth between oh, him totally. and Laura. They had, they had pretty good dynamic when they were first introduced, and yeah. it was, to see them separated, it made his character a lot less interesting. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that from the perspective of, uh, again, the source material, in that Tomb Raider sort of reboot, there are large portions where she's by herself, it's kind of yeah. focusing on her survival and her instincts, and maybe that's what they're going for. 
But it, uh, unfortunately, by not giving Lou maybe like something he's doing on the side, whether it's yeah. I'm going to attach a satellite so that we can get a distress signal, you know, yeah. like give him something to do, even if the two characters are separated. And I think he has his own sort of arc and focus that we wouldn't be having this discussion. I think they should have just gotten rid of her dad. Yeah. And it should have just been totally, totally. Yeah. Should have been just the two of them the whole time. Because you could have even had like a reveal where Lou Rim's like, look, your dad's gone. And like he could have maybe told some story because you had the villain tell a story that was not true. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, because we know the dad's alive. So like maybe Lou Rim could have had some information or yeah, a piece or they of could a have puzzle. Discovered some instead of having the dad in the cave, maybe they hid some notes in the cave, right? And they find it after right. all these years, and it's like, oh my god! Or like, there's like a page missing, but it's from his dad's, yeah, no, you know, like yeah, he, map, or exactly, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that these are like creative <laughs> ideas, but I mean they're they they fit mm-hmm. the structure of film, and I think that there were some missed opportunities that they left on the table. Definitely. All right, so that's pretty much all the characters, Reggie. Mm-hmm. Should we get into the action? Finally. <laughs> yes. I've been wanting to talk about this for the past for the past hour and 14 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess before we get into it, just, just a brief overview. Um, pretty much your fun, wire-foo, bungee ballet mm-hmm. of the Lara Croft versus this mm-hmm. more gritty, like we said, a lot of like, that Muay Thai MMA stuff. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Included with some CGI, though, at times. At times. Um, the original film and its uh, sequel, The Cradle of Life, are action blockbuster movies. Angelina Jolie's character gets to do a lot of cool, badass stuff that, at times, doesn't make any sense. But, man, is it fun. Like, from your opening sequence... She's fighting like a robot, and you're like, oh, shit, where does this robot come from? And if you, like, you're not familiar with kind of, like, source material or stuff like that, you're just like, what's going on yeah, here? Yeah, I thought she was in a tomb as a robot. You, you would think you think so. And, I mean, it, it's consistent with the character who does do different things like that. And they're usually tutorials, but, like, <laughs> <laughs> but like, she's at her home, and she does do different training things like that. So, it's like, you're like, oh, shit, like, look at her fighting this robot, and then... You're like, oh, it comes back up and you think it's about the killer and she tells it to stop and you have this reveal that, nope, I'm at home and this is what I do and I'm going to throw in Laura's party mix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like that opening sequence gives you such a good tone for the, not just the movie, but the franchise. They're like, this is what we're going with, people. Um, there's going to be thrills. There's going to be action, and but there's going to be fun. And right there, you you get that. From that opening sequence yeah it definitely sets the tone uh i'm not a big fan of the wire foo you know she's kind of <laughs> going through the air and not moving but her whole body's flying in the air um but it definitely set the tone for me i knew exactly what i was mm-hmm. gonna expect and i'll expand upon that opening sequence because not only do you get that crazy ridiculous action you get the jokes mm-hmm. and then like right after that what do you get you get your shower scene yeah right in the first seven minutes of the film you know exactly what type of film you're gonna watch you're so, gonna... even though it's like Guns and boobs, baby. Guns and boobs, man. It's so absurd, but like you set the tone, so okay, I know exactly what I'm getting into. So as much as you might not like that, or uh, you at least know right away, okay, this is the movie. Right. They're not. There's not going to be any deep, meaningful message that I'm looking for here. I know exactly what I'm in store for. If you're flipping channels and 
you're asking yourself, do I want to watch this? You'll know right there. Yeah, like, if you're exactly. checked out there, then this is not the movie for you. Exactly. And that, that's fine. But um, like you mentioned, the, the bungee ballet is a little over the top, but it's a big set action piece. That's yeah, a, she's just in her house doing some bungee ballet. With and Hillary's like, don't stay up too late. Yeah. <laughs> listening to classical music. No worry, I'm just going to go up and down for an hour. It's like, what are you what Yeah, are you I, I don't. What's the point of that? How does that help with tomb raiding? You know? is, is that how she thinks? Yeah. I know some people need to walk when they think. Some but, people need to bungee ballet when they think, maybe. Well, I guess from, like, uh, think about, like, the super rich, almost like a, a fantasy factory type of setting. It's like, yeah, why not? Yeah, I guess <laughs> I so. can set up a bungee cord in my house and, like, do flips in ballet. And, uh, and it sets up a completely ridiculous oh my God, <laughs> home just, invasion with, a, like, an army oh. <laughs> just destroying it. Oh Whoa. My God. And she's not getting touched. She's not, not getting, she's not, she's maybe breaking a little bit of a sweat. Yeah. She's not getting dirty. She didn't get cut. Hair is perfect. Perfect. Oh my god, it's it, so absurd. She, but she, like we said, that opening sequence sets it up. So you're like, I guess she <laughs> never really picks up a gun. Really? I mean, maybe for like a second, but like most of the guys she kills, like she cuts the guy's cords. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She like chops people and knocks them out. But like even when like the time come came, maybe this is uh, to keep whatever rating they got. I'm sure it was like PG-13 yeah. tops. Maybe that was to keep the rating, but like when she does finally go to her gun cabinet, it's locked for some reason, and she ends <laughs> yeah, up using. Yeah, I like, thought that was weird. I thought it was super weird, and she's basically using like a. It might as well have been a plunger gun. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like I don't know. It was it was a little weird, um, especially considering that like when you think about Laura Croft, her iconic weapon of choice is she's got two basically like desert eagles that she just shoots and they never run out of ammo mm -hmm. and it's like they well, do run out of ammo but she has this she's got reloading the, mechanism yeah. behind her back yeah well in the games they never run out of ammo. <laughs> um but like uh you know got it you know um if a group of mercenaries comes in and uh home invades her while she's in her pajamas while on a ballet uh sleeping on a bungee cord i don't care um i can handle that situation it's absurd and it's a lot of fun they, they're definitely going for a fun feel because she's never like really worried or panicked she's definitely smiling a lot yeah she definitely looks like she's having fun <laughs> there's definitely you don't feel any threat of danger you don't you're not like oh something bad's gonna happen to one of these three people but you you know they're gonna be fine just right. because um also during all these action sequences we have intense techno music just in the background. Boom, boom, boom. It's, so. it's kind of like this movie's equivalent to the um, to the lobby scene in The Matrix. Yeah. It's just like... It's just do the lobby scene all the time. All lobby scene. <laughs> it's all lobby scene. It's what we got. Again, the word I keep coming back to is fun. I'm not going to say these are like smart, great movies, but they're a lot of fun. The remake, I like that they kind of open with her doing like the Muay Thai and like doing a practical fight scene and she's not really good yet. No. You know, the movie's trying to establish that they're like, this, these are the origins. She will be the badass one day, but right now she's still learning. Yep. Cool with that. Got it. Their equivalent to the bungee ballet is a bike race. It's a bike race, man. Like they, <laughs> <laughs> and look, I, I, I love the grit, the realism. She's getting her ass kicked in Muay Thai and like two badass chicks going at it. You then, she's stealing apples. She's playing like the, the paint can fox and the hound race. And she's like basically a courier racing against other like 
fixed gear bike racers throughout the city before she gets caught. And it's just like, that is actually one of the bigger action scenes in the film. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, we are wasting space and time because it doesn't matter if she gets caught in this bike race. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter because she's not going to come back. So it's not like she's going to ride a bike in the jungle. So it's like, here's a skill set that I, cool, it's grounded in reality and it shows that she's kind of crafty and can figure her way through situations, but it has nothing to do with writing tombs. Mm -hmm. um, and she's frankly, really not even that good at that. Mm -hmm. um, so it, you know, it opens up the next scene of like signing off or not signing off on her father's death um, certificate. But like it, I, I was just sitting there like, why am I watching this? Yeah, it definitely felt like it belonged in another movie. I'll, I'll say this, it, it's kind of pointless, but I, it's kind of a cool sequence. It's kind of a cool <laughs> idea, that this I, this fox and hound thing. It's kind of a cool game. In, a, in another film, exactly, like <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But now that you're talking about it, yeah, you could just cut it out and just have her talking to Anna right away. Or, or, like, or like maybe you play in this non-sort of jungle space a little bit more. And maybe show some other kind of sequences like that that kind of show her metal, as it were. Like you said, I I don't hate the scene, the the way it's shot, and like like how it looks. I just hate it in this film. Mm. Like there was a, a while back, there was like that Joseph Gordon-Levitt bike racy um, movie. Joseph Gordon-Levitt was in a movie where he was like basically same thing. He was a courier, and they did a lot of like scenes like that. Okay. And in that movie, that would have been pretty goddamn <laughs> cool. Again, I, I'm trying not to be too hard on it, but when you when your backdrop is bungee ballet, and you're giving me this, uh, you got to help me out. You got to give me maybe a couple more scenes of her, like I don't know, she's in her backyard shooting arrows, or like she goes to the gun range. Like you got you got to give me something besides I'm a courier and I can like bike fast or make that come back. Yeah, you know, like give me a callback. To the bike thing. Maybe she, I don't know, has paint and that's how she finds the guy in the jungle. You know what I mean? Like, as stupid as it is, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. call it back, yeah. you know? Yeah, it is pretty much a pointless scene. It's cool action sequence, but it's kind of a pointless one. Yeah. Um, and you really have to think about it. I, but I don't know. I think they were just trying to just show her different skill I, sets, maybe. I agree. I agree. I agree. And I, I'm trying not to be too harsh, but like, even like the source material they're drawing from, that's not really a thing that happens i guess they're they're not just dropping her right into the journey which is um probably where i think this movie has its stumbles is that what they're drawing from actually kind of starts from like basically the uh the boat yeah like the the getting stranded is sort of where they started they had to actually draw back and sort of build out her life and show mm -hmm. what she's been doing and look the scene handles what the scene does but like i'm just tr Unfortunately, have, having to compare it to something that's just a little bit more interesting from a perspective of this type of movie. It could be maybe that it's willing to show or showing you like she, the depth she's willing to go to get money because that's true. She's going to do this absurd race throughout the city and get hit by a cop car, even though she has all this money waiting for yeah. her. Uh, which we don't learn until after the bike race. And so maybe it's there for that. Possibly. And I'll put, I'll put it this way too. I like the scene. No, I like the scene I like, too. But I didn't. I didn't realize how pointless it was until you brought it up. Yeah. I was like, oh. And, and, and unfortunately, like that's the same type of scene in the original film that I wouldn't even say anything about because it's supposed to be right crazy. Like this is supposed to be 
real, and I guess this is a real life situation, but like, I don't see how how it prepares her for what she's got to do. Whereas like the Muay Thai, I get it. Yeah. Like the Muay Thai, I'm like, all right, fuck it. Yeah, you're a fighter. This is like, okay, I get it. You're, you're crafty and you will go through a lot of limps, but like it's a fairly long sequence for ultimately like a skill set that has nothing to, to do with what she's going to encounter later. You're actually kind of better off flipping the order. Like if you do that as your kind of opening crawl and then have her like, see your bike guys, I'm going to go to Muay Thai training. I think like I would have less problems with it because that is an opening sequence of like, oh shit, look at her. Yeah. Works better for me than like we've already kind of established a character and then we, we do that. And then we do a side quest. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a good point. I mean, like I said, I, I'm not trying to be a dick. Yeah. But I just like, I found, I found trouble with uh, the tone, I guess. Yeah. Whereas you still get the same type of shit. Like in the end of uh, at the end of the Tomb Raider movie, Laura Croft for some reason has a dog sled, and <laughs> she's just like skating with like she's not really even on a sled. It's just like debris, and she's just like. Is she, I thought she was just on her boots doing I, it. Just maybe I don't, I don't know, remember, man. man. It was weird. <laughs> it was like all right, I just beat Powell in a fight. <laughs> Good thing these dogs are here. Mush, mush, and like like that's. Again, in an equally absurd and pointless scene, mm-hmm. but but it's I kind like of it. a, they already kind of established that it's an absurd movie, right. so you're able to buy it more right. than if they right. the gritty one. Yeah, whereas like this this fox and hound scene isn't even isn't even absurd. It's just all right, you know, it's kind of like a day in the life, but like that day in the life didn't feel like it had anything to do with what would then go forward. Mm-hmm. Was I guess my only point yeah. about it. Jeez, I don't want to s- slow down the <laughs> the, the uh, momentum. Uh, what can I mean? Can you remember other than the like like the last fight in that film? Can you remember another like big action sequence besides in the, in the new one? Yeah, there was the the waterfall yeah. scene was pretty cool. Oh yeah, yeah. I thought when you're she, right. That that was cool. It reminded me a lot of uh, Uncharted. Yeah, well, that the mo- excuse me, the game kind of feels like that, and like that's the type of thing. That would have been in that game. So, like, you're right. That yeah. that felt good. Um, yeah, she's, like, in this plane on this waterfall, which is pretty cool. You know, like, see planes on waterfalls yeah. like that. And then she gets on it. And then it, the, the wing breaks. And then she has to jump into the actual plane. And then the plane starts going yeah. down. She's like, are you kidding me? And then, like, it breaks. And then she has to parachute out. And yeah. It, that was pretty cool. That was actually really cool. Yeah. I- they don't really do too much CGI. I mean, obviously, you had to do CGI for that. But, mm-hmm. like... It never took me out of the film. Like, no. oh, this is boring. I, I thought that sequence, the whole waterfall thing, was pretty. Cool. I think I think you're right about that. Um, um, Even when they're on the boat before they uh, well, crash the ship, I thought that was pretty cool too. Yeah, and I think that's where the that's where the movie succeeds because like all the things that you're talking about are like represented in the franchise that they're pulling from. Like that reboot does action sequences like that mm. um, kind of consistently. And they, they usually end with the character being kind of jacked up. Like, she'll get stabbed in the gut or she'll, like, uh, twist and Like, she gets beat to shit in that game series. And they pull it back a little bit in this movie. But I think you're right that even, like, the parkour where she, the guy steal her stuff and she has to, like, chase them. Yeah. Like, that stuff felt good. And um, I'm glad you brought that up because I think I'm harping on one scene that yeah. I kind of, <laughs> kind of didn't like and let it, let it kind of flavor my feeling about the rest of the movie. You're right, that was a badass scene. That was pretty cool. And just going back to the Uncharted thing, I, I was as I was watching the remake, the whole thing is like this tomb 
and then it's like a disease and it like, kills yeah. people. The first Uncharted game is kind of the same plot. Yeah. We go after El Dorado, which is apparently somebody's tomb, <laughs> and it's spreading a disease. It doesn't kill people, but it makes everybody go insane. Right. So it's like, you stole from Uncharted. Pro- <laughs> oh, dip. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> and they're the same kind of game. Uh, they, you know. They're very much... Um, yeah, no, they're more or less the same yeah. type of game. It's like taking that type of video game and putting Lara Croft in it, yeah. which I think is a smart call because of that. But Lara, Tomb Raider came out way before Uncharted ever did. Well, like Tomb Raider, but like this reboot, though. Oh, yeah. You know, Uncharted, like the Nathan Drake series was happening and that they basically took a page out of that book with an older character. Yeah. You know, honestly, to pretty, pretty good success. Like, I actually think that the reboot of Lara Croft has been wildly successful and they should probably keep going down that route. Clearly this movie is kind of set up to <laughs> set up to do a sequel, which I don't think will ever happen. It will. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're filming it this year. What? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> All right. Yeah. It's going to be released in 2021. So we should do cradle of life in the yeah, sequel. We should. We should. <laughs> our first and only sequel. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Cool, man. Well, you know what? They've, they've given themselves some good run here. I think what this movie does well is establishes itself to like kind of continue doing these types of films in that more realistic vein. So I think the biggest issue that they had in this film was that they had to both introduce a character and the problem. And like this was an origin story and you have to do a lot of origin story things before you get to like your big set pieces right. whereas like i think the other film had the luxury of just eh. yeah just go for it and because like we said they set up how absurd it was it didn't really matter so much you didn't really have to follow the plot yeah as long as you're having a good time look at this cool action sequence hey techno hey yeah. side boob yeah <laughs> you're i'm glad to, i'm glad that we were bringing this up because you're right that that type of action sequence is really cool like the plane thing was was very very cool I almost like let myself forget about it because of some other complaints I had about the <laughs> film, which makes sense that they're doing this again because they, on certain levels, they did succeed in a way that I'm probably wasn't giving them enough credit. <laughs> <laughs> did you want to talk about the endings now? Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the endings. I mean, we kind of pre- pushed on it, but like more or less in Lara Croft Tomb Raider, she fights Pal for reasons. <laughs> for, for why not? Oh, by the way, can I just say, like, I also like when they go to, like, the cold place in Russia. Yeah. Like, everybody's all bundled up in, like, heavy, thick coats. Laura's got, like, her really tight skin suit on. And then this really light thing where you could still see her body. Yeah. Because we don't want to, we don't want no, to cover up that body. No, we can't. Not at all. And she didn't look cold at all. No, she never. It perfectly. It was no, the suit. Yeah. No hair is ever out of place. <laughs> no, nothing. Other than, like, she took a couple punches in that last fight. But other than that... Nothing bad happens, Laura Croft. She's just too smart for you. (laughs) Too quick. You get the dog sled scene. Um, I guess she, more or less, she does destroy the artifacts so it can't be used again. Yeah, she shoots it. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) Before before we go to the end, I I think, um, because I was being such a hater on the bike scene, I did forget to say that equally dumb things happen in the first film. And she does shoot a lot of, like, Things that come to life, like mm-hmm. statues yeah. that come to life. And the original Lara Croft solves her problems by shooting things. This other Lara Croft solves her problems by like grit, determination, and like fighting through it. And I think the movies both 
hit the tone that they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. I was being a hater, and I freely admit that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like in, like you said in the endings, she shoots the thing, she leaves, and she goes home. What does she do? She plays more. Well, puts on puts on a dress. Puts on a dress. Finally, why? Mm-hmm. Except because we mentioned it in the beginning of the movie, yeah. so we have to have it. Because she's a lady, and I guess she's finally accepted her father's death, maybe, and that's why she can put on a dress. <laughs> maybe. But hey, not too fast. Nothing's changed because even though she's wearing a dress, she's still going to shoot some robots. Here comes Simon the robot. And with a freeze Where's your head at? Where's your head at? I was like, oh, man, I forgot about this. Yeah, man. <laughs> what a what a classic! Um, yeah, that's kind of how that movie works. Yeah, it has to be. I mean, at least like you don't feel like you were bamboozled. Like you said, you know, in the first seven minutes, if this is the type of if, movie for you, if you didn't if, like what you saw, then you're not gonna yeah, like. Exactly. If you expected it to get any better or any deeper, um, what were you thinking? <laughs> this is exactly the movie it is this, the whole time. This is not and, Godfather Two. <laughs> And yeah, they they accomplished their mission. It was this absurd techno-driven ride that was fun, and, and yeah, it worked. Yeah, just um, techno shooty. Like it's a it's something that audiences understand. Uh, we do it in a lot of series, whether it's the Lara Croft, like we mentioned, the Matrix, and I mean, you could pretty much take guns and loud techno music, <laughs> and it's gonna work. The ending of um, Tomb Raider, you know, we talk about the fight scene that's kind of unnecessary. She does more or less solve the problem. She does lose her dad finally. And I it guess, was kind of badass at one moment during yeah. the ending, though, because there's a chasm of, like, corpses, and the only way they got across was that ladder. And then she's kind of like, she has this yeah. badass moment where she's like, she doesn't want the... Vogel to escape, so she just kicks the ladder off. She's like, "None of us are getting across." I was like, oh, "Yeah, a fucking badass move." Yeah, no, like, yeah, toward especially like like you mentioned, um, towards like the middle and the end, you're you're right. Like the action sequences that she's in are badass. Uh, you you got the plane scene, like you said, the fight scene is actually really well choreographed. I think part of it is I'm not really buying Vogel. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, she's doing some really cool shit, like jumping over stuff. The pickaxe and that's a fun. move from the game. That's what I totally, the computer, totally. She like is able to cling onto walls using a pickaxe. C- completely. Yeah, she's she's doing badass shit, and she, you know she beats a Vogel. Like you mentioned, she's selfless because she'll kick out her only means of escape if it means protecting the world. And I think that that's pretty consistent throughout the film that she she doesn't let her her motivation or her own selfish ideas get in the way. Like she really could care less about her wealth. She really could care yeah. less about things. Well being. Yeah. Um, as long as at the end of the day, I guess she cared about her family and everyone else. I find both characters to be like this to an extent, but like, especially more in the original, very selfless character that uh, just whatever it takes to get it done. And that's what's admirable about this um, version of uh, Laura Croft. Once she finally gets off the island, Starts getting a little weird. I mean, I mean, we mentioned it, but it sets up the sequel. Um, we find out that oh, An- yeah, Anna, Anna, the employee that's kind of been urging Laura to sign this death certificate. The corporation that was funding mm-hmm. uh, Vogel 
No, not Trinity. Oh, it's another, yeah, that's right. That's right. Trinity is like a yeah, subsidiary. Trin- <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Trinity, I guess, was hiring them. I don't exactly know the connection, but there was another corporation that yeah. began with like a P or something. Right. I, that's right. Because it wasn't exactly Trinity. Yeah, it was something else. And then she's like going again. She's flipping through this monster book. Just happens to go to this one random page and For- finds the company whose logo has been on like all the guns and yeah. explosives yep. um, on that excavation site. And it turns out it's part of her own company. Yeah, it's her own company. So she, uh, we're led to assume that it was Anna the whole time yeah. that was sort of in charge okay. of everything, and it's it's her <laughs> fault that her dad. Uh, was trapped on that island. Absolutely. A little bit of forensics accounting. Um, she, <laughs> she figures that out. Forensics like finding a name by accident. If she did it on a computer, maybe I can believe it, but she just flipped one, two pages and was like, oh! <gasps> and then we're like, what? What did she see? And then they do the thing like where they take like photos that you've already seen, but like now we zoom in, we have context. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Anna's here and she's there. Oh my God, she's been pulling the strings. Yeah, and um, she was the voice at the other end of the walkie-talkie well, talking to vocals. Well, I'm glad that uh, yeah, that too. <laughs> I'm glad that you mentioned there's gonna be a sequel because I felt like in my mind it was like, well, I don't know how I didn't really know how the movie did, so I was like, I don't know if they're gonna do this anymore. <laughs> it didn't do great domestically, but it did a lot overseas. That's so I think it was cool. able to make enough money. Good, good. So, and I mean, like honestly, despite some of my uh, my complaints, really about really about some of the characterizations mostly the dad the villain could have been a little bit stronger and because i think those things were a little weak for me i started to kind of check out on scenes that i think otherwise i would have been interested in i'm glad that i think if they go back to the well they'll have this base established they won't have to reestablish things and they can just kind of throw her into an adventure and i think that that's going to serve this characterization well because like like we mentioned before the same way angelina jolie nailed her portrayal Alicia really yeah. lands this character, um, and hopefully they give her a little bit more to work with next time around. Yeah, yeah. And don't forget, after that ending, though, mm-hmm. there's the PS scene yeah. that we get. Right, yeah. she goes back to the pawn shop where uh, Nick Frost That's just right. came. In. That was a pretty funny scene. Yeah, that was. I was. I'm not flirting. So she goes back to the shop to buy back this uh, jewel that her dad gave her, but she sold it earlier to get some funding for her journey. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, while she's there, she sees some guns. Yeah. And uh, what's Laura Croft without those dual uh, Desert Eagles? Like dual pistols, yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh, so. she's got the guns, and I'm surprised they didn't end with a freeze frame, too. Oh, uh, <laughs> they, they could have. it the same way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, both films are, again, fit the film's that they're intended for. Mm-hmm. The, she's wearing a dress, like a little bit of again, <laughs> fan service. Uh, <laughs> she's still a lady. And then this, where it's like, we're setting up for bigger and better things for Laura Croft down, down the line, which is perfect when you're talking about an origin story. Yeah. You set everything up for uh, the future. And I'm actually interested to see where they go um, with that. Did- um, so yeah, we, there's not much we, more we can talk about. I guess I have a note about the music. Like I said before, I didn't really watch the first film too much, but mm-hmm. I knew the soundtrack a lot. Um, it has U2 and Nine Inch Nails Deep. When I heard Deep uh, playing in the Lara Croft yeah. movie, I was like, oh man, I love this song. I'm a huge Nine Inch Nails fan. Yeah. I've seen them live a bunch of times. Uh, so and I love that song. It sucks too because I can't... Pl- okay, iTunes. This goes out to iTunes. You don't sell your songs individually on this album why i don't yeah. want to buy the whole album i just want to buy deep yeah 
Okay. I just wanted to say that to iTunes. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's got good music, techno music. Where's your head at? Um, so I love the soundtrack of the Laura Croft you, movie. It's, you, it fits. It fits exactly the tone you perfectly. Like, so you like Laura's party mix? Oh, yeah. Well, not not all of it, but you know, I like the U2. I used to do that Elevation song. I used to yeah. sing that all the time when I was younger. So uh, yeah. very nostalgic soundtrack, for hey, me, even though money, I never really watched the movie. Money well spent. Money well spent because those rights were not cheap. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, the new movie, I didn't really notice too much. I noticed um, there was like maybe some hip hop sounds uh, yeah. early on when she's before she goes on her journey, but other than that, it pretty much goes just to like uh, score. Score, yeah, that. right. There's not really any like it, hits. It's um maybe one of the reasons maybe domestically it may have struggled is that it feels it's not but like it feels kind of like a foreign film because like it's it's way more kind of Londony and British than um than probably most American audiences are used to. Um, so like some of the hip hop, which to me sounded like it's from like, it's like, it's hip hop, but it's like from Europe. So it yeah. wasn't stuff that I really right. recognized, but yeah, I mean, again, grounded in that, yeah. the time and realism. So, um, forgettable, um, but yeah, didn't, wasn't, but it fit the tone. I, th- I don't think it didn't take me out of the movie. No, like, no. Oh, what's this music all of a sudden? Mm-hmm. It, it's like, you know, you're trying to set up Laura and this music she would listen to she wouldn't be listening to youtube probably no 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 especially not this one because like uh again kind of going back to my own haterdom um <laughs> uh when you're looking at someone who's like a courier she's kind of like young cool she's, she's hip you know um she trains muay thai she does like a lot of interesting kind of cool things like it would make sense that that person who's listening to that type of music she's not like you know blasting techno and stuff yeah, like yeah, that yeah. Chill, cool guy, cool, <laughs> cool girl vibes, you know. Like, and then, like you mentioned, after that, once you start getting in the jungle, which makes sense because you see this a lot in those jungle themes and films, you go more to a score, you get more orchestral mm-hmm. and um, worked. Yeah, it worked. So you also had a setting in here. I really noticed a lot in the original Warcraft that just the locations, like I said, Anna only really signed on, so she can go to these different locations, and yeah. They really get a lot. Um, they got some beautiful shots. Uh, they got some. Re- I thought Cambodia looked amazing. Yeah, they got some really good shots. Slight spoiler: they really kind of pick up in the next film because I started watching a little bit of the sequel, and uh-huh. they start in. I think they go to Venice, Santorini, and stuff like that. So, like this series loves the locale, and if you're gonna put Lara Croft in the locale. You're going to find a cool outfit for every country she goes to. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. She looked pretty good when she was in Cambodia. Yeah. The monks. They got all these monks wearing their attire, and then she's wearing a sexy version of it. Yeah, Because, yeah. you know, because why not? I have that uh, in my notes a lot, too, because why not? That, that is that is that movie in a nutshell, because why not? Like, like we got to show off your sexy body, because This is a long shower. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then they got some locations too. Um, it, looked, it looked good in the remake. It looked good. Um, um, Hong Kong. They didn't. Re- they didn't really go to like too many exotic. You no. just see like a ship dock, and then you could be here on this island off Japan. But it kind of looks like any it island. Anywhere. Yeah, it could have been anywhere. So you didn't really get much of the culture on um, locations which, in the remake. Which um, maybe they'll pick that up in, in when they do a sequel. Yeah. Because I mean, like you mentioned, the pawn shop. Even though she has vast wealth at her disposal, she like pawned something for like yeah. ten thousand dollars, not even because nine eight eight now. So like, she funds her whole adventure on eight thousand dollars. So she's not going to hit a lot of different locations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas like, uh, rich later Laura, um, 
can do whatever she wants. Like, whatever she wants. She can go to space. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just say that for the uh, Lara Croft movie. I, I, as absurd as it might be, I do appreciate a lot of its practical. Shooting yeah. on location. Um, these are real. They're really doing the effects, even though they're hooked up to a, a million wires to fly through sure. like that. But I, I do appreciate like all the practical stuff they did in the Lara Croft movie. Yeah, I liked it. All right. Um, unless there's anything else you want to go over, I think we should be giving our verdict. No, I think I think we kind of nailed it here. Okay, cool. Uh, all right. So verdict time, Reggie. Should the remake? Oh, I'm sorry, the reboot. Should this Tomb Raider movie exist? Um, I was starting to come in here to say no today, um, but based on our discussion, here's here's why it should exist. When I look at the source material. They are more or less following it. The source source story is actually a little bit more compelling, but I understand making cuts and stuff for Hollywood. The actress looks the way she's supposed to. She acts the way that she's supposed to in terms of uh, physicality and like her tone. I think where the movie struggles is in the other characters. And I think that if they are able to sort of tighten that up uh, going forward, it's fine. I didn't find anything to be so egregious that Though it's not a movie I think I'm going to watch often or really revisit, it worked. It was a Tomb Raider movie. It did what it was supposed to do for the franchise. My beefs are with certain scenes, and I I just never really believed the villain. But I think that uh, Alicia's portrayal was strong enough that the movie should exist. Because when it comes to video game movies, this is actually actually stronger for the genre. Yeah. So I, I can't I can't hate too much. I. I liked it enough that it should exist going into watching the remake um the i know uh the original is absurd and it's supposed to be absurd it's not exactly like something that i usually enjoy watching yeah. it, it might i might have it on in the background but it's it's not like my cup of tea i suppose so i was really looking forward to the gritty uh setting that they were going to introduce in the new one because you could just see from the trailers and everything and while it's not the best movie, uh, or even a great movie, I think it was good enough yeah. that uh, it was worth the ride. Like you said, I like uh, what Alicia did with the Laura Croft character. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a pretty strong portrayal of her. And I really liked the first half of the movie. And then kind of around the time that she finds her dad, it, it really starts yeah. to go downhill yeah. for me. And I kind of zoned out. And then they go through the pyramid. And it's just kind of boring by the numbers at that point. But I think they really had a, a lot of interesting stuff there in the beginning. And yeah. Um, yeah, it didn't end great or anything. <laughs> but I think they did more good uh, than bad with the reboot. So uh, overall, I'd say I had a good time, and uh, I am looking forward to see where they go with the sequel. I, I would actually, I would actually check it out. Yeah, um, I think uh, a line that you just said there kind of maybe just kind of clicked with me and my sort of feeling about the film. Like you mentioned, if the first half, if more of the movie was like the first half, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have had that complaint yeah. about that one scene. But then it kind of shifts to the back half, which is a less compelling part of the film yeah. and I think that I honestly would have enjoyed more of the European like the London scenes and I think if they would have built that out more and maybe set up maybe I don't know finding the dad or something as more of the sequel like this was like a two-part film I think I would have had more fun with it and um yeah it's just one of those things where like when a movie shifts in tone and like things 
start to feel like they're disconnected, um, I start to check out as a movie watcher personally. Yeah, because it it was pretty interesting. I was like so curious to see where they were going, and then it's like, all right, we found the dad. Now now we just got to get to the thing. Now what happens between finding the dad and getting the thing? It's like it has to be interesting enough yeah. for, to keep my attention and it just it wasn't really that interesting you know, they went back to the camp they kind of saved people it, it was pretty by the numbers yeah uh by the time uh from that point to the end so uh i've seen it in so many movies before so yeah i just mentally checked out. i'm like all right just let me know when you get to the thing uh, i didn't think the uh the tomb itself was very interesting the yeah uh, that was a problem too yeah, yeah. The, the traps and the puzzles they had to solve i i thought I mean, bring out Indiana Jones again. You go Last Crusade. Like, that was such an interesting temple or whatever. Just sequence of, like, having to deal with the, these ancient riddles or devices and stuff. Yeah. And it just, yeah, it felt pretty flat for me. Uh, so that's why I really didn't like the second half of the movie. But I really liked what they set up. Yeah. And it wasn't bad. It wasn't like 101 Dalmatians right. where they went home alone and just completely changed yeah. the movie. It was still, it fit the tone of the movie well. But I just didn't find it as interesting as the first yeah. half. Yeah, it's just it's right there. Like you said, it's good enough. Yeah. And it was it was good enough that it should exist because I think um there are way worse ways to show that material and yeah. I, I think that given what they were working with, how they cast and they it generally seemed like they cared about yeah. the story and the franchise. Yeah. Hey, take another crack at it. Why not? It's uh better than half the stuff Uwe Ball's ever done. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh my god. Half, I mean all of it. <laughs> bad video game movies yeah but uh you know Laura begins and the franchise kind of begins you know I'll give it this some leeway since it's like kind of her yeah. beginning yeah. you know if the is second it? adventure's like that then I'm gonna be like All right, I'm yeah gonna well, yeah out. check out well, both of these films I, I imagine fall under top 10 video game movies yeah <laughs> of all time <laughs> I think so of yeah, all yeah. time so uh hey you could do worse yeah alright cool I thought you were really gonna be a no I would. You were, I, you were hating on that. I, I was a no, and then you you kind of brought me back because like I think that like I let myself say why do I care there, but then you you kind of like um, maybe it's because I know enough of the source material that like I maybe I didn't need that origin of the origin, you know. Mm-hmm. But then once you sort of said no, like it, it built character and established something for you. It's like and it's a good scene, you know. Like yeah, it's just. It is. Like, I thought it should have been another film, but, yeah. like, when when you brought that up, I was like, you know what? I'm being a little too harsh. How else are you going to portray this? And, like, it's actually a nice way to show what she does for a living and show a skill set. So, by the end, uh, just from our conversation, I was like, you know what? Fine. <laughs> and, and also, the fact, if there wasn't a sequel being made, I would have also checked out, too. I would have been a no. But knowing that there's going to be another one, it's like, well, that ending... I'm now okay with because you set up a sequel because you set up a sequel. Yeah. I thought it was going to be kind of like one and done. Oh, yeah. (laughs) World's building. Yeah. Cool. All right. So that's a review of Tomb Raider. Let's figure out what we're going to review next. Oh, yeah. Let's do a comedy, man. Okay. Uh, You know, I was was getting drunk and the main theme from Arthur came up. Okay. So, how do you feel about doing Arthur? That's a very author uh, situation that you were in. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. We should we should watch Arthur. Um, I always kind of fall in the trap of saying whether or not I've seen something, and I realize that 
that defeats the purpose of people listening <laughs> to the next episode. So uh, we should watch Arthur, and that's all I have to say about Excellent. it. Excellent. So all I, I know, all I know is Dudley Moore and Russell Brand. Yep. There we go. And being drunk. <laughs> yeah. In that. So cool. All, all right. right. Next episode, Arthur. Nice. All right. So that's what we thought about the two Laura Croft films. Uh, let us know what you guys thought. Did you agree? Did you disagree? You can let us know on all the social medias, the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at Retro vs. Remake. You can follow us on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, all at Retro vs. Remake. Um, if you leave us a five-star review on iTunes, that'd be greatly appreciated as well. Thanks for listening, and this has been another episode of Retro vs. Remake. Remake.